Hey everyone, welcome back to One Shot at a Time, a D&D podcast where we take a random prompt and turn it into a one-shot adventure. I'm your forever dungeon master, Daniel Locke. And I'm Andrew. Welcome back, Andrew, once again to our Season 4 recap episode. Thanks, Daniel. <laughs> that was a long pause for that thanks. Oh, sorry, I was looking at something else real quick, and then I was like, oh shit, okay. Uh, uh. <laughs> Distracted, Andrew, what the heck? Yeah, uh, so uh, just as like a quick recap from season four, since we wrapped up, I figured we could do a little Q&A session, how we thought about the season and going forth. I know you kind of just jumped in halfway through, which I really appreciate you for helping me. So the first question is, out of okay, all the hosts you had, who do you enjoy the most? <laughs> out of all the hosts I have, who do I enjoy the most? Obviously, Andrew, because you're the one here right now. Um, no, I mean, I like all of my hosts, to be fair. Like all the hosts that have joined us, Josh, Daniel... Um, you as well, Andrew, and even uh, Adon, who came in for the one episode as a guest. Oh, yeah. Um, they've all been great, and they bring in like a different vibe for the episode. Um, I think as the show has grown, and I've grown as a creative, the direction I want to take the show has changed quite a bit. So I've had like changes in hosts here and there, but I really enjoy having you on. It's been a fun new experience having you kind of learn how to podcast with me and develop new skills. I really enjoyed working with Daniel Lee as well because he's like my childhood friend. I grew up with him and we have like a very, I don't want to say like the similar thought process, but we've known each other for so long that we feel very comfortable talking to each other, in my opinion. And that makes for a very interesting listen. Plus, I just love it when Daniel goes off on random tangents for an hour and I just was like, yeah, that's funny. I like the weird he brings in, I guess is the best way to put it. And then with Josh, it was just like, He's he's very skilled mechanically in the D and D rules, so it brings like a different style of building when it comes to that. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it was definitely nice to understand some of the rules that obviously I I still don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's Dungeons and Dragons, and just like any other tabletop role playing game, the rules that you use are the rules that the table wants to use. Um, so learn the rules of your table. That's fair. That's facts for sure. I mean, there's a lot of rules that people don't end up using or want to use because it's annoying or it's too bothersome, just like carrying capacity and, and all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. Especially for like travel and stuff. Like there are stories you can tell with the rules of D&D that exist, but you have to see if that's what your table wants and adapt to what they want. And your table will create a unique form of D&D. Honestly, it's probably different from like any other table to an extent. Yeah, I don't think I've ever played a campaign where it was necessary to have all, like, the actual materials. Like, how, when the fuck am I ever going to hold a three, uh, was it like a, a, like, 300 gold worth of diamonds yeah. and some shit like that? And people have different ways of interpreting those rules, which makes it really fun. Oh, yeah. A diamond tiara. <laughs> oh, yeah. Diamond tiara. Yeah. It's a fun way to do it, and it's cool to see how each table's uh, culture has developed, as especially the longer they play together, which mm -hmm. is fun. But yeah, I mean, Andrew, how was your experience working on a podcast for the first time, and what difficulties did you experience while working on it? I mean, it's 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 been fun. Definitely, it's been interesting to hear your point of view, especially on a creative aspect. Uh, I've bought all the books before, read them to a point, but I'm just way too fucking lazy to actually like start and dm <laughs> so it's it's just a lot of that but uh the creative process is interesting and it's actually beneficial to especially in the point of when i 
will eventually run whenever that may be (laughs) yeah yeah like you say like you say laziness is what's kind of holding you back though we all like for the people who know you in real life know that you're a very hard-working person i'm so fucking lazy (laughs) you got the hustle in you you're you're i think you're just uh, strategic with your energy expenditure is the best way to put it yes i spend it on ways to make more money (laughs) yeah which is good it's smart and D, it's like being a dungeon master, I think a lot of people believe that there's a lot of work put into it, but hopefully from being on this podcast and just talking to me and seeing the show, you can tell that like, you don't really have to put in that much work. Like you should, if you know the rules to an extent that your table is comfortable with it, you can kind of just go in with a basic outline and then run games. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I learned and I'm pretty sure what most new dm suffer with is over prep so that's like the biggest issue especially when you're initially starting and that's the biggest hurdle too so yeah the knowing that i probably would fall still fall into that despite having these experiences uh i would probably still end up over prepping because that's just my nature but i yeah. feel like that could also bite me in the butt yeah i mean uh, as uh, leonard snart from the cw flash always says it's like make the plan um execute the plan uh, have the plan go terribly wrong and then throw away the plan. That's okay, kind of just so how technically you are right, but in the in the crossover episode later on on Earth, 10, oh yeah, uh, Leonard Stark actually says that's a terrible idea. I always have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I mean it's that was a funny twist for sure when he came back in. But yeah, like, you should have a plan and you should prep to the point of comfortability. It's just that with newer DMs, they don't know where their comfort level is just because they've never dm so they don't know what it's like to dm with nothing and they don't know what it's like to dm with everything it's like two different experiences and honestly it's like you'll find your perfect middle ground wherever that is you know i guess for me is my experience like my middle ground that i've developed is that i know the general points of the story i know the key plot points and then i have battle maps and stuff prepped and that's about all i usually prep ahead of time and that usually takes me about like one to two hours at most the hardest part is find creating a story because I like making homebrew stories. I don't generally use modules anymore. So how often did you actually use a module? To It's like either in its completion or just do you normally just take bits and pieces from each module in order to, to encompass your story? Uh, when I started, I built, a, I worked off of a module. Well, that's not true. I started without a module. no. Yes, okay, I'm, I'm lying to myself. <laughs> I started with a module. I started with Minds of Fendalen. Okay, okay. That okay. was the module I used, okay? And I followed that one to the T as best I could. And it worked, but it wasn't interesting to me. I got, like, bored running it as a DM. So I was like, okay, like, how do I make this more interesting for myself? So halfway through the module, I started adding little tidbits here and there. I'm like, oh, that's really fun. What if this character acted this way? Or what if they find X, Y, and Z thing in the forest that's completely different from what they're supposed to find? And actually, I had more control of it. And me adjusting the nozzles on, like, what was from the module essentially kind of helped me develop my own DM style. Um, The few modules I still run are just the Wild Sheep Chase and Wolves of uh, Welton, because those are two really good one-shot modules. And they're easy to run off the top of your head, and it's very free flow and allows for opportunities for the players to do unique things. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the general purpose of most modules, too, is like, essentially, you have the general story, now make it your own, and yep. tell, and then have that experience with the table that you're playing with. But as a DM, like, you'll learn, and everything takes practice, and you'll find times where you DM a game, and it's great, and times, and it sucks, and... 
both are fine. You'll you'll learn what makes you great and what makes you bad. Everyone's different. True. And that's the that's one of the benefits of having that zero session too, because then you'll know what you want out of the players, what the players want out of you, and how exactly. to best correlate a story that best fits both what everyone wants. But that's also exactly. hard too when you're dealing with like like five different perspectives, like four players, one DM. Things get chaotic. Yeah, for sure. And then you just have to like look at the table and to be honest, and it's like, hey, this is what. I like to do are you guys interested if they say no like for the example of the hooky episode where they're like oh it's too cheap we don't want to help uh Mr. Eugene Krabs save Spongebob then it's like okay well then we'll run something else and if they don't want to run something else but you want to run this maybe you take it to a different table and maybe they want to do it um whether it be roleplay heavy mystery focused puzzle based at the end of the day not everyone's going to want the same thing as you want but that's also I mean that's that's how the game works that's how the dice fall but yeah, speaking of other games, uh, what other TTRBGs would you like to try? Or have you tried any other ones in the past? That's a good question. Um, I'll have to look up. Mm, I think D&D is primarily the biggest one I think I've played. I don't think I've really played too many other ones. What about you? Um, I've only played a couple other ones. D&D 5e was kind of like, well, technically D&D 4e was my first introduction into Dungeons & Dragons. And that was not to my taste the first time I tried it. But thanks to like a lot of like content creators online, podcasts, Critical Role, etc., Dimension 20, I started getting to 5e and that was more of my speed because I like the more roleplay creative process of that. Outside of that, I've tried Blades in the Dark, which was a fun TTRPG focused where the focus is on the players guiding kind of the story. Yeah, that's the one we're we're going to be working with next season, right? Yeah, that's what we're going to try working with next season um, and see how it goes. It's going to be interesting because it's not really meant for us to have a lot of prep work ahead of it. But oh. I think with okay. any good game, I mean, maybe a little bit of prep work is always necessary. And maybe we can set something up for people to use and for us. Because honestly, it's going to be... I don't have as much experience with that game myself. So do you think there's another TTRPG that may be better suited in a storytelling aspect? Well, I think Blades in the Dark is actually really suited for a storytelling aspect, but oh, suited okay. in a different way. Like with Dungeons and Dragons, specifically 5e and stuff, the players should feel like they're in control and the DM kind of has like these pre-written like guidelines and story plot points that they're going to hit. With Blades in the Dark, from my understanding, the players are in full control. The DM is just like, here's your goal. Go. And then you tell me what you want to do. It's like, I want to roll this, but like I have to roll a hunt check, okay? And... I want to roll a hunt check to find X person. You're like, okay, cool, go. So it's like the process is a little bit different, and they're kind of describing their own events, but then the DM is still the final say on whether or not things anything succeeds. So in my head when I read it, it's still similar in the creation process, and you still have to do somewhat of the same prep work. But Okay, I mean, I feel like that's also somewhat similar like D&D aspect where, like, granted, you know, they can tell me to do like an athletics check, but if I make a counterpoint to the fact that a maybe acrobatics may be more suitable for this, just based off of my current action, and as long as the DM agrees, yeah. And honestly, I think both of these games have very similar overlap, which I think most TTRPGs have the similar overlap. It's just people maybe ex like have a perception of them being a specific way, like oh, D and D is like a video game or a board game, and there's a particular module like Gloomhaven that you have to follow through and fight through a dungeon. But it doesn't always have to be like that. Which we still need to play. We do still need to play, yeah. That does sound like a fun board game. I've played once, but we do need to play in person. 
you got the game, Andrew. You gotta be. You gotta. You gotta invite me over. Yeah, but it takes. It takes like. It, it takes like an hour to set up alone, and then I just don't even know the rules because I'm too lazy to open the box. I'm pretty sure I still have it wrapped, like in the plastic wrap. <laughs> Honestly, might be worth just buying the game on the computer. <laughs> but then everyone needs to buy a copy. Yep, yep, yep. That is the troubles. But um, yeah, uh, Blaze in the Dark, that's what we're working on next season. I'm pretty excited to learn more about it. I'm going to try running more games with it. Uh, so if you're listening to this and you're interested in playing, uh, let me know. And I'm just going to be doing my best to kind of learn a new system and bring it forth. But other than Blades in the Dark, the other systems I know about are Call of Cthulhu. I've read through it a bit. Um, I haven't played that one yet. Cyberpunk Red, because I think that's the one that came, or maybe that was Cyberpunk 2020. One of those uh, versions of Cyberpunk had been um, given to me with Cyberpunk 2077. It's like in everyone's Steam folder, apparently. It so I was is? like, oh, that sounds really cool. Yeah, everyone who has Cyberpunk 2077 has like a free copy of their original TTRBG rulebook. Wait, and you said it's in my Steam? Yeah, I'll send you the link on how to get to it later. Okay. But yeah, other games I played is like Monster of the Week, which was pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I played a few like one-page modules. Uh, I tried the one with uh, from Dungeons and Daddies with the witch and the three animals. Okay, okay. Yeah, and then I've looked into Quiet Year, which seems like a fun setting-building, world-building one. So yeah, those are the TTRPGs I've been looking at. Okay, so back to the previous topic. So what made you fully decide on doing blades in the dark outside all the other uh ttrpg game mechanics that we that you said you had either interest or um had experience with um i chose blades in the dark because i've played it once before it was pretty fun i've heard other podcasts use it and it seems like a fun system that has a lot of potential for me and overall like, I didn't want to do something like Pathfinder 2E or... Pathfinder I didn't want to do because it's just too similar to D&D in that sense. And I'm like, well, it's practically D&D with some, like, more crunchy mechanics. So, like, we're really not doing anything different from a podcast... From our show production standpoint. Cthulhu, I think, has a lot of potential. But Cthulhu also has, like, a very heavy rule set. And I would feel bad for making you try to learn those kind of things with, like, a very heavy rule set. We might do cyberpunk in the future. I really do like the concept of cyberpunk, but I feel bad for making my co-host have to read through like a thick ass like text that is the size of a log. If you get it to me, I will read it. I'm a pretty quick re- reader, so yes, but can you remember all that? No. The other part of it is yeah, exactly. <laughs> so the other part of it is that we have to be able to play it too, because like as much as like I want to make one shots for games that I've never played and how interesting that might be. Like, I feel like I should at least play the game, know the intricacies of problems that can occur before I can really make an adventure. Cause at the end of the day, this podcast also is to help people listening, get into the game and try them. And it feels weird to be recommending a game that I haven't played. That's fair. At least blades in the dark. I played and I can play pretty quickly, which is nice. Okay. Oh yes. Like we kind of talked about shows we watched, but like what D and D content do you consume outside of like playing uh, I used to watch a decent amount of Critical Role. I currently listen to Dungeon and Daddies season two. Great show, great show. Yeah, I've uh, I usually try to listen to them in bulk though, so a lot of times I'll just hold off from listening a couple couple weeks, and then go ahead and uh, just listen to them all at once. Um, primarily because like when I first started listening to Dungeon and Daddies, it was like I think like they were just finishing up season one. Yes. 
So because of that, I literally just binged all of season one. Oh, it's so good. And when I got to season two and I started listening to it, like as a as a weekly format or a bi-weekly format because they release every two weeks yeah it made it hard to retain what potentially happened last episode or even a couple episodes ago since like obviously there's a huge gap between from when i listened to it the first time yeah definitely from an episodic standpoint that show is a little bit harder to like keep going with but yeah season one is really good though like i would say it's probably like I would say Dungeons and Daddy is probably my favorite podcast D and D content that I've ever consumed. Like it's just a lot of comedy. So because of that yes. and then improv nature, I can see why you would, you enjoy that. But it's also hard as a mechanical standpoint because when you're trying to listen to it and you're trying to potentially even learn rules, yeah, that's not the that's not the <laughs> that's not the content that's going to help you with that. <laughs> yeah, it, it teaches you how to break the rules. It doesn't teach yes. you how to learn the rules. Yes, it, it teaches you to be adaptive. Yeah, like, if I was going to recommend, like, any kind of D&D show to learn how to play the game from just purely listening and enjoying the show, it would probably be, like, either... I mean, Critical Role is a pretty great one, but I would recommend NADPOD. NADPOD is actually pretty good at setting it up from, like, a theater of the minds aspect and being a podcast format, because they're they're pretty stringent on the rules, and it's the storytelling is still done super well. And they have a lot of great improvisers on there as well. Yeah, I mean, I think I've listened to them, like, once, maybe twice. I haven't really listened too much. Uh, besides that, I do listen to, like, Dimension 20, so, like, Brendan Lee Mulligan. Yeah, I think my main gripe with any kind of, like, TTRPG, like, content is just that, like, some of the, like, when it gets to combat, those kind of scenarios are, I feel like, are more for the players that are at the table and not for the audience listening, so I check out a lot at the times. Yeah, I mean, I think that's why one of the reasons why I think even, um... Dungeons and Daddies works out better in that scenario too because they don't mm-hmm. actually do it in the same format essentially. Granted, it just happens. Like it doesn't cut off by saying, "Okay, roll initiative." Sometimes it does, but most of the time it's just like theater of the mind type. Yeah, and it flows into it really well. Yeah. So, I think those are the other aspects too. So, even in like Critical Role, like the moment he's like, "All right, roll for initiative." It's like, "Okay." Yep. Time for an hour-long uh combat to occur now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, I'm. It is stressful. There's there's some fun moments like that happen, but I mean, it for me, I it's hard for me to maintain attention during those scenarios. Yeah, I mean, especially like if you lose focus and then you forget exactly what happened. You're like, wait, what? What happened? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what got you into DMing? What got me into DMing? Nobody else wanted to fucking do it. That's honestly the answer. Well, true, but you could always find someone to do it like what got you to the point where you literally only became uh on the only dm well to be fair my first answer is 80 percent of the reason most of my friend groups because i wanted to play D I i really like watching the shows i really wanted to try the games like i wanted to play but none of the player groups that i knew at the time were willing to dm or run a game like there were options of meeting people online and stuff but if you want to play with your friends and you want to get them to play and you're the one who's most interested in playing you're going to be the one dming that's just how it is like i always tell my players like hey if you guys want to run a game you know and let me play that'd be great and i I was able to finally find a group to play with through my improv group which was really nice because the guy who dms for us really loves dming but for me personally I do like creating. I like being a dungeon master and I like improv. It's probably the reason I got into improv more is because I DM so much. And part of the skill sets of being a decent DM is being able to improv other than being like 
a skilled actor and writer and all these other things. But being able to improv really helps you in that scenario. And it's really fun. And I think it's very comedic. Other reasons I got into DMing is just like, I like telling fun stories and being able to create like fun moments for my players. I think those are other reasons. But yeah, like if I had to list it like with full honesty, number one, the biggest reason, no one else wanted to fucking do it. Number two, because it's fun to tell stories. And number three, I like to improv. And honestly, being a DM is the best role to do a lot of improv because you're going to be changing up characters all the time. Or coming up with new characters all the time. Exactly. Or changing storylines all the time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so in the creative aspect, in the case of you are in the player's shoes, what type of story would you want to play in? Like, what is your ideal campaign? So in the players in the player shoes, not as a DM. Okay. What yeah. themes would you want to be playing in? So I don't know if this is because I've been DMing so long, but I don't have a specific theme like for like what my character arc should be. What I want is to help the DM complete their story and other players' story. Like when I make a character now, I'm constantly looking for like hooks and tags that the dm is throwing out and trying to keep the story going and then my character also is like he has a personality he has a backstory okay and his goal is like he's trying to like his goal is like kind of my goal which is just to help push the story along for the dm and the party and see what the dm comes up with i don't have like oh i want to go through a tragic backstory where my character like usurps a king and turns out he's actually king of this faraway land kind of thing. Like, I don't have anything like that. Um, I just have broad strokes that the DM can use, and I want to see what the DM comes up for me. And if he asks me, he's like, oh, what do you want to see? I'm like, oh, I like something whimsical, and I want my characters to be able to help facilitate your story and have them tied into it. Okay. That's that's always fair, but do you feel as though that you're robbing your character like the potential of your character because of the fact that you're limiting yourself to trying to progress the story in that manner. Do you ever actually put yourself in the character's shoes to determine how they want to grow? Yeah. Cause like that, because their motives could actually di- differ from that of like the course of the story and cause conflict, which causes more of those moments for sure. That's like a hard balancing act to have because I do also want to play the character to their truths and what they believe in. So I generally ma- like I don't make characters that like I'm a brooding rogue and I don't believe in anyone as my friends and everyone's evil kind of thing. I usually make like happy go lucky characters that trust people and that makes it easier for them to play their role. And maybe if that's what the DM wants to play into, they're like, oh, yeah, your character arc is that you start trusting people slowly. I'll try to pick up on that through my training. And then play into it uh, to the truth of character. Because if that's the conflict the DM wants to present, then I should be following along with it. Uh, true, but at the same time, like I feel as though as a player on the player side, like the DM's there to facilitate the storytelling for everyone. Mm-hmm. And if you're looking for a plot in which case of your character to grow in that manner, or maybe there needs to be some sort of intervention that causes that to occur, kind of thing, you know. So it's. I I feel like it's hard because I think you've been DMing so much to the point where now you're trying to facilitate the just the progress of it without the development of it. 
for sure and i like i said i've never really been a player in a long-form campaign like this okay. like the campaign i'm doing with my improv group is probably the first one i've done and we only played two sessions okay so i actually don't have a very strong skill set in being a player i only have the skill sets of dming for like five plus years and doing a ton of one shots um and also playing like long-form campaigns through those so that's where my experience comes in and that's what i try to impart through my player experience and it's it's been a different change but i don't know maybe like two years from now if this campaign is still going on or someone else runs another campaign i'll find out like oh maybe you have to create a more sturdy concept for your character and causing conflict is part of your goal and maybe that's what the dm is looking for which i try to read for but you know it's tough to say i don't really know what i should be doing as a player um but i'm learning and trying to get better at it my current aspect of players and when i make a character is that i try to play to their truths okay um their mantras or whatever their beliefs are and but you're making these mantras though you yeah, as yeah, yeah. the creator are is forming these mantras or forming these beliefs or bonds exactly so yep exactly and then like the truths and mantras i usually pick are generally stuff that goes well into a group like they're pretty trusting with friends and maybe their big flaw is that they like to steal things and their background is that they stole something from a big dragon and now they're afraid to go back to their clan like that's a that's a simple backstory that creates a lot of room for the dm to play with and i don't it's not like i'm telling i don't want to be like hey this is the exact arc like he's gonna watch his friends die and then yada 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 and then he's gonna fight the dragon and kill the dragon and become a dragon like that's not <laughs> for me to fill in the holes for that's for the dm to kind of facilitate and see if that's what he wants to bring to the table or if he doesn't want to touch on it that's technically okay as well i mean it's not how i dm but every dm is different as well but the character truth and his concept of what he believes and what he wants to do for the people are very they're simple constructs that work well for a party all right, I think I think that's fair, especially in regards for being more beneficial to the DM. But I think you need to take more risks, Daniel. Be a player. You're a player. You tell me. Like, what do you do when you go into these aspects when you create a character? Like, how is your thought process that you feel specifically different from my approach? And how do you think I could change to better myself as a player, as someone who's played quite often? Uh, I think it depends on first off I need like if there is a specific thing that I know that they're trying to run right like if it's a specific theme kind of thing maybe I'll integrate it so that it, they're more integrated in that specific world so mm -hmm. maybe if it's if it's like a sea base thing maybe I know that my character has either um, like a fisherman background or or uh, someone that normally does go out to sea or maybe not maybe I'm uh a traveler of sorts that never has been to see, but I need to, in order to visit said dying grandparents, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Um, but I don't know. I just like to be creative in that manner for the, for building my character. Okay. And I will use that background to further develop how that, the growth of the character. Okay. I mean, that sounds pretty similar to the approach that I had. Um, yeah. at least from what I can tell, which is just like you're creating a character that helps facilitate the story that the DM is trying to progress, which I think is... I think mine is a bit more selfish because it's not necessarily how the story of the DM that wants of telling. It's my my own story. Mm. It's the character story. Okay, okay. So how does the, the how does the current environment impact the growth of my character? Okay. Rather than 
how can I as a player facilitate the growth of this story that's being told? Because you can always bring in the same character that has these experiences to another campaign and then utilize those bonds to further grow, which gives you a more depth into your character as well as more of a bond so that when you actually die, you're like, fuck. <laughs> ah, okay, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's also the other part of it is that like I'm not as tied to any of the characters I've made because... They all die? <laughs> well... <laughs> They haven't died yet, but the other part is just that, like, I've made so many characters that I want to try. Like, if this guy dies, I'm so ready to jump into another one. Like, oh, man, I have so many other cool ideas for characters. I want to see what happens to them. Yeah, that's fair. I think that's the hard part with being a DM because as a DM, you have to make so many characters to Mm -hmm. facilitate because you have all the NPCs. But as a player, you're literally only focused on the one unless you die and then you have to make a new character. But that's a different story. Yeah. I don't know, like, it's it's definitely a new experience, and I'll, maybe if we're, like, 10 seasons down the line and we come back to this and I have more experience as a player, we'll have a, we'll have a different talk and we'll have, like, different viewpoints to bring in. But yeah, uh, I guess, like, before we close out, I just have a few other questions here for you. You haven't DM'd yet, but is nope. there anything that we've made from either this season or maybe some previous season we've made that you would want to run? Ooh, I want to say the answer is yes. But okay. <laughs> I don't Yes, but I don't know. Know which ones those were. I'm pretty okay. sure there was a couple in, in, in each season that I was like, oh yeah, I could probably see myself doing something like that. But then it was like then I gotta think about all the prep work and like, okay, let me figure out. Well, this ignore the prep map, work for now. And I'm like, yeah. uh okay, then now I've gotta figure out what best positions to to keep all of these. Granted, like, you could just do it all on the fly if you really wanted to, but yeah. Like I said, I'm a I'm pretty anal when it comes to okay a lot of that stuff, so it's just like okay. Let's let's change up the question. Did you have a favorite episode from any of the seasons since you've listened to us this entire time? Huh. You know what? Let me pull up Spotify real quick. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like the one sandwich to rule them all. That was that was good. No, oh, okay. Uh, oh, which was funny because I was telling I was telling Grace about um I think it was the the Y2K Fallout episode oh yeah and she was saying how oh did you guys have like different cults that were like specific boy bands at that time and i was like oh we probably should have incorporated something like that like yeah, yeah that's you had, smart you had a cult you had a cult that was dictated for like strictly and sync or backstreet boys or that would be sick yeah so i was like yeah that didn't happen <laughs> yo i mean like grace is like a ball of like creative genius like i've played with grace like twice now and every time we play and she's at the table it's just like a wild ride and it's always so fun to watch yeah like she she definitely puts my dming skills to the limit sometimes (laughs) but it's also like one of the best experiences because you get to see like this insane creativity just blossom into the world your wife's nuts man thanks although i will say dming you should dm for your wife i think if you guys do one-on-one sessions it'll be it'll you'll learn how to dm real fast oh because i had to think of everything up on the fly it's like uh yeah so uh yes not even that you'll have a lot of fun doing it and it'll make you find the fun for both of you that you enjoy and once you find the game inside of it you'll go nuts yeah um yeah but uh one sandwich through the wall the the chicken sandwich wars that was a good one that was that a fun was, episode that was good i think episode. i made that one with josh that was very yeah fun. that was season one let me think here there was definitely some other ones but i just like remember what each of them were 
No worries, no worries. Uh, maybe we'll tackle it on the next recap or something. Give you a little bit more time to think about it. I would still run our Scooby Doo one. Obviously, adapting things here and there, to try to make it more cohesive. Oh yeah. Maybe we can, maybe we can go back to figure out how to actually make that better. Yeah, we can workshop it together, do a write up, and then or we can make that into uh into the new format. <laughs> oh yeah, maybe it might work for Blades in the Dark. Actually, oh, it maybe. might be a fun thing to target. We'll definitely try that out. But um, hey. Uh, that's our short Q&A recap session for season four. Thank you all for listening to One Shot at a Time. Thank you for sticking with us for this long. We'll be back again in a couple Tuesdays from now. I don't know the exact date. But uh, with a whole new season focused on Blades in the Dark, once again, I wanted to say a special thanks to all of my co-hosts, Josh, Daniel, and specifically you, Andrew, for coming in last minute to help us out. Oh, you're welcome. And being 20% of your listening base, uh, you're welcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Probably more like 40%, but let's be honest. And honestly, it's been a great experience working with you. It's fun podcasting, and it's been a fun new dynamic. Hopefully, you've gained some new skill sets that you like, and hopefully you run D&D one day, or just any game. We'll see. <laughs> And then for anyone who's still listening, thank you all again as well. We can't, we wouldn't be here without you. And honestly, I hope you have some inspiration to run your games and have tons of fun. But until next time, bye.